Ah, thank you, Jesus. All kinds of fellowship going on. If you haven't noticed, if you're new here, we do family well. We are a friendly church. We do that on purpose. So my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to share with you today uh, what God has been talking to me about. Uh, we got some leftovers from the shindig they had yesterday. <laughs> Celebrated Dan's 80th birthday. Diet, like she, she designed this whole thing, right? Diet, I am going to be turning 60 in about a year and a half. <laughs> we need to talk because you definitely know what to do. <laughs> that was good. So, uh, so I'm going to talk to you about something today that, if, if you know me, like I pick things and I talk about things in a way oftentimes that people are like, well, I never heard anybody talk about it that way, you know? And, and, and I'm going to talk about prayer today, but I'm probably going to be talking about it in a way that we might not have thought about it or really like recognize some of the components of it or what it does for us. I, I don't even have the words to describe how I'm going to approach this, but I am going to ask you all to get involved. Because, like, our understanding of how to connect into heaven is different from everybody in the room. Like, if I say prayer, my definition of prayer, I would be willing to bet is, if not slightly different, very different than some of the people in the room, right? So we all have this image of what it means to pray. And, and so when I say prayer... If I just say prayer and I go off and I read some scriptures and I, and I say, yes, we need to pray more, right? Everybody like, yes, we need to pray more, <laughs> right? But we got very different definitions of what that means at that point still, right? So like there is a struggle talking about some of these topics that are Christian because depending on your background, right? In this room right now, we've got people that come from all kinds of background. We've got the extremes like we've got some swing from the chandelier Pentecostals. All the way till, you know, be very quiet when you talk to God. You know, the Catholic group and the, the Presbyterian group, right? You know what I'm saying? And everything in between, right? That's, that's what we got in the room right now. So, like, depending on your understanding of prayer, right, it, it could be very different. You, we also got people in the room, like, you might not have grown up in church at all. And the only thing you know about prayer is somebody you knew and maybe Hollywood. And if that's the case... We really don't have the same understanding of prayer, right? Because it, like, it is a subject that we just don't necessarily understand completely about what it is. Now, as he was talking to me about this, one of the things I've, I realized as he's kind of showing me is our, our understanding of prayer is also directly related to our understanding of what it's like to interact with God. The type of interactions I have with God or have had with God or expect from God also shape what I think prayer would, would be and what it would look like, okay? So I'm going to ask, and I'm taking a risk here, right? So just, just so you know, I am taking a risk on this. So please don't make me look bad <laughs> because I'm going to ask you guys to actually be a part of this, Okay? Any, every public speaker is like, you don't want to flop, right? You just don't want to flop completely. So save me, save me, okay? But I am going to ask you to have a micro 
micro testimony. Everybody in the room can take part of this. Any, everybody in the room, right? If what I say falls into the category of what you've experienced, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to stand up and sit down. You don't have to speak, but just stand up and sit down. And this is the reason why. Because people in the row next to you might have never experienced what I'm going to, when I describe this. You understand what I'm saying? So if someone hasn't experienced something you've experienced, their idea of the ability to experience that might be, well, I don't think I can experience that. Then, then if there are other people are, oh, they're experiencing that, then it shows, oh, that's why I said it's like a micro-testimony, because you're basically going to say, yeah, I've experienced this. Now, if you have come to Jesus because you don't have to stand up, because pretty much everybody should stand up, right? And then if you don't stand up on this one, then you, you are going to feel bad. So I'm not going to have you do this one. Right? But everybody that comes to Jesus because God moved on them, right? Not because they were told to show up because your parents drag you to church, right? When you make that decision, have you recognized that's God talking to you? That's communication. So when I say talk, let me say this too, because there's a lot of people in the room, when I say talk, they don't recognize that. The definition of talk is when you receive communication from heaven, some type of communication that you're, you're, you recognize oh, something's going on there. It could be audible. It could be just a, oh, I feel like God's loving on me, like whatever that is. So when you come to God, you have this experience, you have this interaction with God where God like moves into your space and you feel it. Most of the time, it's like, God actually loves me. I don't even like me, but he loves me, right? And we're just like, okay, God's real. I, I want to I know him, right? Or and you're, you might be in a service, and he's preaching about the cross, and, maybe, oh, and you can feel it. It's tactile. You can, you can feel it inside of you, right? So you get this community. So that, I would say, is the baseline experience, right? Most everybody in the room is going to have felt that. If you've never felt that, you can I want to start there, right? You can feel God. You'll even, like, hopefully you'll recognize this even more if you've experienced something beyond that. Now, this is where I'm going to ask, please, please, please stand up when I say this. I know this is so different. Nobody makes us do this in church, but Sean does. If you've ever been in a service where the power of God moved on you, and you were just like, oh, I can barely contain it. Just pop up and down. See, now for the people that like never experienced, they're like, really? That's cool. How about, I'm going to go up a step higher. How about those that have experienced God move on you to the point where you couldn't even stand up, you actually had to fall down? Stand up. Okay. How about you are either at home alone, you're in your car, you're somewhere out in the country, whatever, and you are going through a rough time, and like you need God, and he shows up in a way that you feel him. It's like, oh, and he just gives you a humongous hug. Do that. Stand up and sit down. 
Okay, now this is going to be the harder one. How about you just wanted to step into prayer. There was nothing extraordinary about the day. There was nothing extraordinary about anything about what you were going to step into prayer. But you just wanted to step into prayer. And you were actually able to step into the presence of God, into the throne room. Go ahead and stand up. Okay. That's what I want to talk about today. See, because our definition of prayer encompasses so many things. So, so many things. I grew up from the swinging in the chandelier group. And... There was two things that I was taught, right, that I saw, like, existed in some people. One was, there's a lot of things to talk, about, about, get, get, talk to God about, and there's a list of things you need to hit. And so you go through the list. The other one was that if you are really passionate, you have power in heaven, and you're able to make things move. So you yell and scream a lot, right? Because you're just like, oh, right? And it's a visceral reaction like, I am a, I am a son. I am, I am not putting up with that junk from the enemy no more. We're going to take the ground from him, right? So those two, some people like, yeah, some people like, hey, man, identify that, right? Sometimes, like, for a lot of people, prayer is a quiet time where you just, you just talk to God, right? All of those things are prayer. See, and so I'm, the, the broadest definition of prayer is anytime you interact with him, right? You're interacting with God, you're, you're praying. So all of those times I talk about God moving on us, right? There's an element of prayer because now he's like comes to you and you start interacting with him. You can avoid him, right? You could be like, no, I don't, no, don't want God to talk to me. I don't want God to touch me. I don't, you're scary. I don't know what this is going on here right? I can't say I haven't done that before, right? First couple of times I was like, this is, I don't know what this is, right? My, my recommendation, if you've never let God come on you like that, ask for it, submit to it. He's very trustworthy, right? You will not regret it. It's an awesome thing. So like, if you're at that place you, you've never experienced, please, anytime we get to the end of the service, Anytime during the service, feel free, right? Let God have his way with you. It is the best thing that will ever happen to you in your life. Now, that last one I had to stand up on, there's something about that that's different from the others. And the word is intimacy. See, because all interactions are not intimate, but intimate interactions right? They are a whole new level. I'll give you an example. I'm not going to be rated R, right? So for the younger groups, right? But when I'm intimate with my wife, that's not the same thing as me coming home and meeting her and talking about what happened during the day, right? There's something about when we have time and we are face to face and everything else goes away and it's just me and her, you know? And, and it, it shows up in the physical, but that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about that, that ability to be like, oh. 
you can see me. Everything about me, you, I'm going to let you see me. The only reason why I can do that with her is because I trust her. Right, so I have to trust God to be intimate with God. But I can have a lot of interactions with my wife that are not necessarily intimate. Now, because I have intimacy with her, those other inter- interactions, all, they don't leave that out. It's not like that disappears, but they're not the same thing. And I think much of what we've settled for is interactions with God. But because the intimacy with God, you have to work for it. Like, you have to work for it in a way that it's not like work as in labor. Like, it's not like you buy God flowers, because I just brought my wife flowers. That's why I came to mind, right? Hey, baby, I brought some flowers, right? It's an inside joke for adults. The, uh, like, you don't have to work for it that way. You actually have to, like, work through you to be intimate with God. And this is where the rub comes in. This is where the difficulty, all, everybody, everywhere, this is the thing we struggle with, was working through us. And there's all kinds of stuff that you have to work through, right? There is just your body, okay? If you are feeling like doo-doo, if you just got run over by a truck, if you got the flu, right, your back's killing you, whatever it is, it makes it really hard to relax into that space, right? So your body could be a problem. Like when we did 21 days of prayer recently, the first few days, cedar had just jumped up. I was whacked. I, I lived in my room with my air filter because, like, it's terrible for me. And I came to 21 days of prayer. My goal was just to get here, make it through without falling asleep, and get back to the room, right? But I did that because, like, I am determined I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to spend the time, even if I know I might not be profitable, I'm still going to go through that because it's important, right? And there is an element of, like, I'm going to step into the space of doing relationship with him even when I don't feel like it, right? That, that's an important element because if I always go by, I feel like it doesn't happen, right? Because there are plenty of things to get, like, interfere with me feeling like it. So that your flesh is that one, that first kind of obstacle. And, and learning you is important because if you struggle with something, learning how to navigate through that, if it's like something chronic, right? If it's something where uh, uh, it comes up because you're just tired, like you might, you might be working dawn to dusk, right? You might have no choice. Right, but how do I find a space where I pick the best time I can pick? Because spending time with him is so important, right? That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the best time when I, can, like, I feel I can talk to him instead of waiting for the leftovers when there's like, I got nothing left. You see what I'm saying? So there's things we can do in that area. Now, the next level you, you struggle with is uh, our mind-building emotions. I know this has never happened to you, but I'll be praying and the idea of how to fix the faucet actually pops into my head. And then all the tools I need, when I can do it, right? Do I need to go to Lowe's right now or, you know, 
You see what I'm saying? So your own mind becomes an obstacle sometimes, right? Your emotions can become an obstacle, right? If you're going through something, right? and so I'm very analytical by nature. I don't do emotions real well. They're, they're not my forte. I prefer I didn't have them at all, but... You know, so those things will sneak up on me. I'll be, I'll, my emotions will bother me, and they're there, and I don't even know what's going on, right? And, and, and it, typically women, some men, but typically, they're more attuned to their emotions, right? They, they, they recognize what's going on. Me, I'll be like, I don't even know, and then and all of a sudden I'm praying, and, and it, oh, then it hits me, and I'm like, oh, golly, you know, I'm deal, God's making me deal with it as I'm trying to, to get next to him, right? But my emotions can become an obstacle, especially if someone's poked me in the eye recently. I mean, a good poke. You know, they've dug their finger in there. They're just... And you're... It's like, it seems like every time you stop and think, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. And you just start running through it in your mind. What could you have done different? What could I have said? Because, you know, you can never say the right thing at the right time. You've got to, you know, you got to come up with that real good zinger, right? But, you know... You, you, I know you guys don't. I know it's not very Christian either. I know. You guys don't think that way. I have to repent about it afterwards, but I tell you, sometimes it comes through my mind, you know. But it's interesting, in all, so many different times where Jesus in Scripture talks about prayer, he throws forgiveness in there. Just saying. If you struggle with forgiveness... If you haven't forgiven a person, that is probably why you're struggling with prayer. That's like pastoral 101. You're talking with someone, they're like, oh, I'm having a hard time connecting to God. Pastor's thinking, I wonder if they forgot, they need to forgive somebody. And it's just like, group rises right to the top. So as you get past your emotions, your mind, you can move into a space where I'm going to call the heart. And when I, when I say the heart, I'm gonna, it's not the pump. It's this place where your soul and your spirit overlap and meet. It's like that's the place when you reach it, and everything else is no longer talking, has a voice. It is like taking up the space of your, your, your mind and your heart, right? It's just everything else is moved out of the way. You can actually feel heaven. You can experience heaven. See, and all you need to do to be able to be a person that's, that moves into that space where God is in your spirit and you can feel him is if you get baptized, right? You get all that stuff taken away and you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you actually have God inside of you, right? So that's, that's the starting point. And so if, like, if you haven't gone through that, you haven't hit the water, that water is ready. And we got people that can help you out today. Because there's something about having a clean spirit, a clean heart, like I'm clean before God, that makes us to be able to enter in. Now, there is a set of problems, though, a set of, nah, problems is the wrong word. More like a set of catalysts that either are there or not there. A set of things that are either there or not there that either help us or hinder us connecting to heaven. And that's our beliefs. I want to read a scripture to you. Now, 
This is one that as I was praying about this, it just, it just kept popping into my head. And so I went after it, read it. And I was like, oh, I see what you're saying, God. Interesting. So this is 2 Peter. By his divine power, and I'm using the New Living Translation. because I, For those that don't know, sometimes I like reading a different translation that makes us think. Because sometimes for those of us that have been churched a lot, we just rattle off the scripture in our head. Right? And so... By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. And this is not know about him. This is a know that says, I've experienced the other person. By coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous Glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Okay, so how many of you, you get up every single day and you are feeling that? I'm experiencing Jesus' divine nature or, or is it more of, yeah, the corruption that comes through human nature? Because we, sti- we still struggle with it, because when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you get baptized in his name, right? You still have to deal with the you that you are that's the old you. Even though he died in the water... Right? You still have to deal with that guy because that guy is supported. It is, he's, he's like given CPR by our beliefs. Right? As far as the cross is concerned, he's whacked. He doesn't have the power over you. He, he, you think he does. Right? But because he's still twitching, it looks like he's alive. So what I believe about myself, what I believe about God, what I believe about the situations I'm in, what I believe about people, all of those affect my ability to have interaction with God. I can't help it. I'll give you an example. We sing the song, Good, Good, Father, Great Choice. I hope you're singing it at the end. Just a little plug there. That was like a perfect song. I don't know if they planned that, but that was a perfect song for what I'm talking about. When you start singing about that he is a good, good father, he is so good, and he loves me, and because he loves me, that's who I am. That's who he is. That's who I am. It's all talking about identity. You, when you can sing that and you, oh, I 100% agree with that, it just moves you right into presence, Right? If I disagree with that, see, because I might like have read the Bible. Bible says it's good, right? But my beliefs don't actually match up to what I'm trying to think, because somewhere back in my beliefs, I might see God as the vengeful God of the Old Testament that is just waiting for the opportunity to whack you. See, if I if that's how I see God, He's sort of good. He's good sometimes. 
He's not good all the times because my definition of good doesn't include being whacked. And if he might whack me because I know what I've been doing, I don't know if he's real good, right? I really don't know. It, it, it affects our ability to, 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 to connect to him, right? So how I see myself, how I see God, those are both contained in there. And so there are things that we talk about over and over and over again from the pulpit. Most of it centers around, and it is related to the cross. Because when we recognize, dude, there is nothing you can do to be righteous. You don't have the ability. When I say righteous, I mean in right alignment with God. Being who you're designed to be. Being clean to be able to stand before him. Okay? You can't be righteous. You can't. You're a mess. I'm a mess. On a really, really good day, I'm able to walk with him, and the mess just is gone. Right? But leave me alone for a few minutes. I'll find a way to make a mess. But that is what Calvary was all about. God is like, you can't do this for yourself. Only I can do it for you. And if you'll agree that I'm the answer, if you'll agree that I am the Lord of glory, I am the sacrifice, I am the Christ, I am the one that made a way for you, if you'll agree of who I am, then I can make you into who you are. But see, if I don't agree that, that that's who he is and that's what he's done, if I don't agree it works for me, then it makes it hard for me to go to him. And so this is like a chicken and the egg. This really is a dilemma for us. Because if I don't accept what the cross has actually done, if I don't believe it, I can't go to him. But you know how I get clean? But it's by going to him. And going to him. And going to him. Right? Here's the rub, though. Here's the rub. This is the hard part. Going to him is supposed to include spending time in prayer in the intimacy. If I struggle with doing that, if I don't put enough importance on that, if I don't feel like I, that is needful, if I don't feel like I can do that, if I feel like that is only for the special people, if I believe something about that that's not true, and I don't do that, could that be that's the reason why we don't mature? I'll say it again. <laughs> could that be why we don't mature the way we're supposed to? Because when the Bible talks about us being able to receive all the precious promises of God and to be like him and his nature, how do I get there? In this house, we talk a lot about hearing the voice of God, walking with the voice of God, following God, right? Adam walked with God. He heard his voice unfiltered. If Jesus is the second Adam and he brought us back to that place, if this is what Jesus died for, is to give us back that intimacy with God, that heaven is open before us, and our intimacy is that unrestricted access to him, 
Doesn't that include being able to receive him talking to us and communicating to us? And if the word of God is like seed that when it hits the good ground and it grows into something, it produces. What does it produce? It produces the person that you were designed to be. But if I don't spend the time in the secret place connecting to him because I don't believe I can, I keep doing the Christian walk, and I'm like, why is this working? This, and then the enemy comes and see, yeah, something's wrong. See, what they're telling you is not actually true. You can never become that person that just looks like Jesus, walks like Jesus, talks like Jesus, and is able to love like Jesus. You can't be that person. See, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for the person next to you. See how messed up they are? They go to church all the time. They, they pray and everything. Look at that. And pretty soon we're convinced, yeah, it's for the special people. And, and I want to tell you, it's not true. It's just not true. I cannot let... My interaction with God, the validation that comes through interaction with God, replace the need for intimacy with God. And I fear that's what we've done. It's a lot like a child and their parent growing up. Hopefully, I pray that you've had a good relationship with your parents. Right? Because if you haven't, then this is all jacked up, and, the, and God really has to work through that to help you see God as good, as, as a good father. Right? Because that's just how we, like, that's just the baseline of understanding it. If you've had a, a really terrible relationship with your parents, like, you don't even know what it looks like. So when, when we're singing about it, it's like, it doesn't even make sense. But just imagine this if you're that person that hasn't had that. A baby doesn't know how to do intimacy. Not really. They don't even know how to communicate. They don't even know what you're saying. You don't know what they're saying. You know? And, and, and everybody's seen the one that they will just... They'll just, they'll just be going on like they got, you know, a whole story of when they were just six months old and something happened to them. And they're just telling you the story. Right? And you as a parent, you come down to their level and you look at them. You know, yeah. And you interact with them. Right? They're just being them. Completely self-absorbed. They don't know how to be anything but self-absorbed. They don't even know how to see, you know, 20 feet away from themselves, let alone be less than self-absorbed, Right? But as they get older, they start talking in different ways. But how many people have met a nine-year-old that, as a parent, you could just be fully intimate with? You could just let them see inside of you completely, let you know what's going on with their, your life. And there's, you're like, no, you don't do that with a nine. You will jack them up. They're not ready for that. They still come to you in every situation because they need you to be their parent. Right? You can't drop that role and expect it to go well because they don't know how to handle it. And so they get older. But there is a point 
which when they, they mature into the space, they aren't going to have a conversation with you as their parent because they need something from you. They go to have a conversation with you because they enjoy talking with you. There is even a space they move into as they grow and become more aware of beyond themselves is that their parent is going through something and they want to know what the parent's going through or what the parent sees about something. You following me? So when we're talking about intimacy with God, listen, you're not going to start out like your 25-year-old talking to your dad. It doesn't work that way. You are going to be self-absorbed. You're not going to know how to do anything else because your life is messed up. Right? You're trying to navigate life, and it's like, this doesn't even make sense, God. Everything you talk about in the Bible, like, I feel it when you, you move on me. I can feel it. Like, whoa, yeah, God's real. Yeah, the scripture's true. Yeah. Like, he told me something, and it's like, oh, yeah. And then you get out in the real world, <laughs> the natural world, and it's like everything tells you, yeah, it doesn't really work. And you have to discover what it's like to operate in that and to hold that and, and let that be a part of who you are and not let the enemy take it from you, Right? But there is a point that as you keep going back and you learn to do intimacy, and in the intimacy, he's giving you what you need. See, this is the part that we fail to recognize how important the intimacy is. Everything we need is in the intimacy. It is, listen, I don't know how you guys think I preach. Personally, I don't think all that great. But this is what I do know. Like, I am not transforming your life, right? You cannot live off of Sunday and expect to have a transformed life. It does not work. The best I can bring is I hear words from heaven. I give away words. God speaks to you while I'm talking. God's presence shows up in the song service, and we can feel them right? Anointing is, is moving in the room. God's talking to you, pulling on you, doing his thing because he's just amazing. That's the best I can hope for, right? To me, it's like, ooh, that was successful. People were feeling God. I didn't bring much. I just brought me. He's the one that did everything else. But again, that's not intimacy. That is interaction. Right? I, like, I've seen and I've been tempted by following after the man, the move of God. Where is it at? Going to go find that revival. Right? And I go from this revival over to this revival. And the speaker, man, he brings it with him. So I'm going to go to that speaker too. He brings it with him. Right? And you feel God, and it's like, whoa. I mean, I've had it. Oh, yeah. I had one time. God hit me. It was like I was plugged into 220. And I was just like, Z -Z 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 -Z. and I was like, you gotta stop. I'm gonna die if you keep doing this. Right? It was a crowd. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you this too, just because it comes to my mind and stuff that pops into my head, he gives me permission to say. So this is like, I'm, hopefully, I'm not going on a rabbit trail. We went to this one thing, right? And God was moving. It was awesome. Who was from church came back. And my son, he comes into the auditorium, right? He wasn't there with us. But one of the ladies that was there, right? She's just, she's still like, you know. 
And I, and I, I told him, hey, hey, do me a favor. Go over and, and pray for her, right? He didn't know. He goes over. He hasn't got a clue. He goes over and he touches her. Bam. He's like, hits the floor. I don't know how that happens. All I know, it was funny. And my son is like, whoa, I can feel God, right? I don't understand how this works, right? God is powerful. But even that is not what grows you. It introduces you to the amazingness of God, and it elevates your expectations that what the Scripture says is absolutely true. But I'm telling you, like the version of me, those that know me, like I've been in this house for 20 years, 22 years, I don't know, a long time. Like the people that know me from back then, they're like, oh, yeah, this version of Sean is completely different. You know, that version of Sean would have never let him up here. <laughs> but that version of Sean came because, in my particular case, God was like, yeah, you keep praying for a closer walk with me. I'm going to help you out. And he let the enemy touch me, right? I'm not saying God did it. That is not in my theology. God does not have anything but good going on inside of him, Right? But I got a tumor in my head. I was in a wheelchair for two years. I was almost dead. I was going, you know, and right before we hit the end, I give up. Okay, God, everything I think I know about you is wrong, obviously, right? Some of the people that we've known, church, I love them still, right? But some of them are telling my wife, you know, hey, you guys must have sinned against God or else you wouldn't be receiving all this, you know, feel, feeling free to throw judgment on there. You know, condemnation, just feel free, pile on. I mean, nothing different than what the enemy would say. So if you ever have tempted for that, just know if you ain't something, saying something good, if it ain't from God, don't say it. And then right before I slammed into the dirt, God just shows up, I mean, and blows my mind, starts talking to me like it's a loudspeaker. But I got to that place where I give up, God. Everything I think I know about you, all my professional ideas about what it means to be a Christian and following you, you know, what, you know all my Bible studies, and all, you know, here's all the list of things you need to know about God because you need to serve God and be like, be like a good Christian and go to heaven. Right? All that stuff, he just said, crumple that up, throw it away. Let's start over again. And I started hearing him. Right? And he started changing the way I see. You cannot, listen, you cannot interact with the voice of God and argue with him and disagree with him and be changed. You literally have to submit to him, right? That's the only way it works. You know, and if you're in this room and you're like, I don't want to submit to anybody, let me know how that works for you. I'll put money on it. It's ain't going to work well because I just know I tried that. didn't work. Let me read another scripture for you. This is one he showed me, and I never quite saw it. This, this is going to be familiar, too, for people. For the word of God, this is Hebrews 4. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we 
are accountable. Don't go to the next one yet. This is actually talking about prayer. This is our biggest obstacle. We don't even have to think about it. We know this is true. Doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. You know this is true. Because when you stand before him, he sees everything. There is no hiding from him. And we, much like the children of Israel, when God is talking to Moses and says, hey, Moses, go get the children and bring them to the mountain because I want to talk to them. They're like, no, that's not a good idea. You go and talk to him. Tell us what he said. I cannot tell you how many people go to church and they would much rather the guy up here in the platform tell them about God than be willing to go talk to him themselves. And you might not want to admit it to yourself, but that's exactly what you're doing. Because you know when he sees you and you're standing there, you are naked, just like Adam, and you're accountable. I want to need you, this is going from verse 14, or excuse me, 13 to 16. A few verses in between, I'm not reading because I don't want to get you sidetracked, but it talks about Jesus being the high priest. But listen to what it says. After saying this, it says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will find mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This is how I know this is actually talking about prayer the way we interact with God. Because if we can trust him, if we see him as a good father, that, you know what, I can stand before him completely naked, and he can see all of the dirt, he can see all of the stupid, all of what is so messed up about who I am, and he will have nothing but love and an answer for me that draws me closer to him and that gives me hope to become the person who can actually walk into the identity that he said he gave me. If my heart can be orientated that way, then I am free to step in before him. If I cannot orientate my heart there, I need to go back to the cross and let him talk to me about and let him love on me in such a way that I can start believing what is true because that's what Calvary did for us. And we can be in church for years and put off our prayer life and let it diminish into some interactions we have periodically and not even realize that we are still struggling with standing before him naked. Because that couldn't possibly be true because I've known God for years. It still happens to me. but I've learned what goes on inside of my own heart. And if I can learn what's keeping me from intimacy with him, if I can learn what's going on with my mind, my will, my emotions, if I can learn what's going on with my beliefs that's keeping me from him, what you will find is it becomes easier and easier, and it moves from a relationship where he keeps coming to me he keeps coming to me. He keeps coming to me. And it moves into a relationship where now I start freely going to him. And that's what we're designed for.
I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at. Some of you in this room, like, I've never been to that place where I can really just trust God yet. I want to know he's trustworthy. I want you to know he's trustworthy. There's nothing that he's going to do. There's nothing that he's going to say that as you navigate through it, you are not going to be happy that, oh, man, this is exactly what I need because we don't know what we need. So if you've never given yourself to him, today is an awesome day to do it. Today's the day of salvation. He wants to save, set free, deliver. He wants us to be who we were designed to be. He wants us to know we are sons and daughters, that we have every right to connect to him, to talk with him, to experience love, to know what it's like to be secure in a relationship where you don't have to pretend and you don't have to be ashamed. And it just starts with being, God, I surrender. I believe what you did on Calvary. And then go get baptized. Jesus said, those that are baptized and are filled with the Spirit, right? those are my children. I've done this for them. And the next step in this is letting him fill you. He wants to take up residence in you. And there's some in the room, I suspect, that you've had that happen. But the power of it and the freshness of it has diminished. And I learned that when I spent time away from the secret place, it seemed much more challenging to get back. But when I pressed in, when I wouldn't settle for anything less, once I was back in the secret place, all of a sudden the fire was back. You're designed to have the fire in you. You're designed to experience freedom. You're, expi- you're designed to experience all of the great and precious promises that he gave you. If you could stand, I'm going to let you pray. When we pray, we're going to step into a song. And when we do this, we want you to know that it's a time when those people who need to touch heaven are touching heaven. So like, we're going to have a point where we dismiss, right? And the song and the music might still be going on. We just ask that you honor the people that are actually wanting to touch heaven and to be touched by heaven and that move any conversations to the back or to the out in the foyer, okay? Have we just turn our ears to you right now? Turn our hearts to you? God, speak right now. For those that need forgiveness of sins and you're like, I need you, God, just ask him. Tell him, God, I want you. I receive that you died for me. I receive that you are the Lord. You are God of heaven. You are the one who saves me. And I cannot do this without you. I want you more than anything. 
I want you more than my cars and my houses and my family and anything on this earth. I want you more than me being in charge of my life. I want you to actually take the steering wheel. God, have your weight. If you want someone to pray with you, just come down. Someone's going to pray with you. And we'll just let you spend that time experiencing his love. If you need a refreshing, we've got prayer partners that are going to pull in here. They're going to pray with you. And heaven is going to touch. Heaven is going to move. If you're wanting to get baptized, there is some water right there that is ready. And there is nothing more clean than when God touches you and just washes away all the things that separated you from him. And so let's worship. Just spend time connecting to him. Let him renew. Let him renew inside of you. In Jesus' name.